really, even with the mistakes being made, I think that it's a smart way to do things because then you don't end up with the missed shots or the bad shots or, mm -hmm. you know, you hear stories about people looking at the horns and shooting a horn off. If you can focus in more on the deer and less on the antlers, then really I would say it's more of an accomplishment than a mistake, even though you ended up taking a smaller animal because of it, at least you know you're not taking that chance of mm -hmm. wounding an animal. I killed an archery buck a couple of years ago, and it was just me the morning that I got him, just pure luck. He was, I spotted him out in the bottom of this big sagebrush valley and just decided to start walking to him, just hoping that I could get close enough. And so as I was walking down towards him, I kind of positioned myself so where I thought I could cut him off and he ended up walking right up to me. Tape it because you're curious to see how big it is. Tape it because you want to measure your own successes and try to do better next time. Measure it because you want to get better at field judging. Measure it for those reasons. Don't measure it and then be upset that he didn't mat, didn't go what you thought he was going to go. Don't do it to fuel your ego. My uncle had a tag a few years ago and we were shooting a 270 short mag at the time which a lot of guys will say isn't big enough, but I mean, we were putting holes in this bowl that the exits were about six inches around, so mm. it was doing some damage, but he ended up, we had to shoot the bowl six times to get him down mm. and right in his vitals, perfect shots, just unbelievably tough animals. Hey guys, real quick before we get into this episode, I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, go give us a review on iTunes. Can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howl for Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care, but be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Hi, welcome to the Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, we are going to talk to Steve Phillips and uh, we're going to pick his brain a little bit about some, some hunting adventures and Maybe talk about uh, some of the products he's developed, uh, one of which I use. So, uh, what's going on, man? Not much. How's it going? Is it warm weather down there? No, not super warm. I mean, today it's it's definitely warmed up. It's probably going to be in the 60s, but the last couple of days it's been, you know, 40s. Nothing, nothing freezing or anything like that, but was chilly wow. we had a bunch of wind wind storms the last couple of days in a row and some rain and you know normal winter shit yeah well it's a good thing it's raining we definitely need that yeah we have had thank god since monsoon season uh, we've had considerable amount of rains during monsoon season and and during the winter here uh it's been great desert looks awesome only problem with that is if we don't get a good monsoon season, like there's not a lot of rains with it. We always get monsoons, but if it's just winds and lightning, then we have a lot of fuel on the ground and it causes a lot of big fires. Yeah, we deal with a lot of the same issues over here. Yeah, and you're uh, you're out of Nevada, right? 
Yeah, we're in southern Nevada, just a little town right in the heart of the best hunting you can get in Nevada. Oh, really? Nice. I've only hunted there once, and I was up yeah. by uh, Eli. Yeah, that's one or of my Ely. favorite places to go. Was it Eli or Ely? Ely. Ely, yeah, Ely. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite places to hunt is up there. Yeah, it was a great time. I did not get one. I you shot see anything my, good? Well, I shot my bow a lot. Let's put it that way. It was my yeah. it was my worst performance I've ever had, and I've put myself down enough about it on this podcast, so I'm not going to do it again. But um, <laughs> it it was not my best showing. So <laughs> yeah, um, up there, we we mainly have a lot of luck up there. Later in the rifle hunts, the yeah. end of October, I could see that. Seems like for some reason those deer, even though that's quite a ways north really and high in elevation it seems like the deer hang up high. move into there i could see that it seems like a lot of wintering stuff down and around by it kind of reminds me a lot of over here where it's like sky islands it's not uh-huh. quite like just you know one big mountain or you know there's like you go from a lower elevation to a higher elevation like pretty quick versus you know having bigger transition zones so i could see that being being a thing so yeah but no we, we did we saw we saw great deer saw a lot of great elk too just good area altogether yeah uh, the, the elk in that area are absolutely phenomenal up there i actually had a buddy that killed a bull this last year up there that he says it's not in the runnings for pope and young and i don't know anything like that mm-hmm. really but I know the bull ended up netting 426. Dang. So just an absolute giant. It was yeah. really, really cool bull. Yeah. Um, I didn't see anything that big, but um, did see, you know, upper 350, 360 bull. And then I found this really cool character bull that probably would have scored all that high, but he was so sweet looking. I would have had a hard time not going after him had i had a tag but um and actually he was still in velvet at the time so it was really cool looking yeah yeah we we get quite a few bowls up here that have some really unique character to them especially this last year it seems like so my dad had an archery elk tag last year out here and it seems like we saw a lot of bowls that had extras on them and that's really not super common Mm. out here but this year for some reason there were quite a few that had not a lot of extras but you know they had an extra or two off each side and it was pretty neat to see that's awesome i i always i don't know i'm gonna say always but i think character trumps trumps size a lot of times for me i get excited about like unique unique looking bulls or any animals period unique looking racks matter of fact i did that myself this year on my archery deer hunt i was after a better scoring buck well at least i think he might have been better scoring i don't know 100 percent because i never scored the one that i got and nor do i have my hands on that one so but i in my mind's eye i think he was a better scoring buck and you know as soon as i saw the buck that i ended up harvesting he uh 
man, he had character. He was five by five. And he had like his fifth came off the main beam on one side, and then his fifth came off the main beam on the back of the other side. It was like really so it was like opposite. It was kind of cool. Just kind of look at all twisted up. Uh, I always say the score doesn't matter. A big animal's a big animal. Yeah. Yeah. We had one a few years ago. Granted, he did end up scoring a lot, mm-hmm. but we actually had some friends from northern Utah that had drawn a tag in an area that we hunted quite a bit in Utah. Mm-hmm. And we went in after we went down to help them look, and we didn't know either of the bucks were there that we ended up killing that weekend. I just pure luck ended up taking the one guy out opening morning, and we walked up on the ridge, and there was this gorgeous four point. We watched him get bedded and ended up being like a two-hour stock hmm. to get up onto him. And right when we came up over the ridge, we were we thought we were going to be like 700 yards, and we were like 200, and the butt jumped up, and he took a shot and hit him just about perfect, and he went down, and he ended up being 186. Just oh, an awesome, nice buck. awesome yeah. big mule deer. And then we get back to camp, and his dad's telling me, for every inch that mine's bigger than his, I'll give you a hundred dollars. You know, <laughs> just joking around. Nice. And so the next night we went out for a ride in an area that we'd had a lot of luck in before we killed. My dad's got a four point that goes two ten, and we've got a couple mm. of bucks that are in the one nineties that we've taken out of there. Just one of those spots that you might get lucky. You might not kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we were cruising down the road, and the guy wasn't real picky. He told us he would shoot anything that was a nice deer. And we're looking down across the burn and spotless buck down there. And all we can tell is that he's about 20 inches wide, and he's got decent forks, but nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. And so he gets out, and we set him up, and it's... 600 yard shot and we shoot a lot of long range out here reload and practice all the time Mm -hmm. and he shoots and misses and the buck walks down off the ridge and like well oh well we'll we got tomorrow we'll see what we can find and then the buck walks right back up on top of the same ridge and stands in the exact same spot that he was (laughs) and he shot and hit him and he kind of kicked a little bit and took off down into the trees and we thought sweet we got him Mm -hmm. he's a nice buck we know he's good well we get down there and we find the buck and he's like i said he's only maybe 20 inches wide he's not really wide but he's got over 50 inches of mass he's a six by seven and he ended up going 216 wow so and he's one of those deer those are the best ones the unassuming yeah, ones yeah he's one of those bucks that's an absolute giant buck but his score really doesn't do him justice with all the mass that he has hmm. yeah because of the way the scoring system is yeah yeah that's awesome though those are my favorite ones man i love it when you get one and you're like you walk up there and you're like wow this guy's a lot better than i thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i I'd have to say that's a one-time thing for me. I always end up thinking they're a lot smaller when I walk up to them. Mm. 
And for instance, yeah. my I killed an archery buck a couple of years ago. And it was just me the morning that I got him, just pure luck. He was, I spotted him out in the bottom of this big sagebrush valley and just decided to start walking to him, just hoping that I could get close enough. And so as I was walking down towards him, I kind of positioned myself so to where I thought I could cut him off. And he ended up walking right up to me and I shot and hit him and he ran about a hundred yards and went down and I was calling people telling them I got one. And I called my dad and he goes, well, how big is he? And I said, I don't know. He's, he's got a couple of little extras. He's probably 23, 24 inches wide. I would guess he's 160 ish and loaded him up and took him down to show one of my buddies that had told me that there were some nice bucks that were hanging out in the sagebrush up there and, my buddy grabs his tape measure and pulls it across and goes, well, he's 33 inches wide. <laughs> and he ended up going right at 200. It's just, I wow. always end up thinking they're way smaller than they really are. Well, that's good. That's a good, uh, that's a good way to be <laughs> better than the other way around. Better than the other way around Def for sure. I, definitely uh, better than the other way around. I'm a pretty good field judge. I'm usually pretty spot on just that like first glance like i'm not one of those guys that sit there and count inches but i i give you an age class not an age class necessarily but a uh, a class of buck or a class of bull just by looking at it pretty quick you know enough to know that this is something you want or something you don't want and um i made a couple of mistakes uh in my life for sure one of them was in utah a few years back and these mistakes weren't necessarily that I made a mistake on judging them, actually, now that I think about it. It's just I get into this, like, tunnel vision zone, especially when I'm already drawn back. This, this buck that uh, we were – he was probably, like, around that 160 mark. And uh, he was rolling with another big three-point that was, you know, maybe 135-ish type buck. And like three other bucks, but those bucks were definitely very distinguishable and sm and quite a bit smaller. But um, yeah, I could see his nose popping out, and I was like, "Oh, here he comes!" Around this like bend, and I just drew back, and he stepped out, and I shot, and it was the wrong buck. But like, because I don't look at antlers once I determine I'm going to shoot, like I don't look at antlers. The same thing happened to me in Illinois. I was in a tree stand. And this big buck was, it was a breeding party, actually. It was two bucks chasing a doe, and the bigger buck was in the lead chasing the doe. They ran behind me in some thick stuff, and then I hit my can, my doe bleat, and the doe came running around, and she came down the trail that ran down the left side of me. And as soon as the buck stepped out, I, I shot him, and it, so at some point, the smaller buck switched places with the bigger buck, uh, and he wasn't, you know, wasn't a tiny buck by any means. But he was, you know, we're talking one sixty versus like a one thirty. So that happened to me there, and then there was another one for sure. That I can't remember. Oh, yeah, no, that wasn't. It. I don't remember. There, I remember there was three of them. <laughs> I can't remember all the stories nowadays, but. <laughs> It's crazy. They're all kind of blended to each other, but those two for sure stick out in my head that I made that uh, I thought I was 
Oh, now I remember the other one. Yeah, I was solo hunting. And this is one that I misjudged the size. I swear to God, I, when I first saw this muley buck, and this, I was rifle hunting and I was quite, quite a ways away. I could swear he was like a 150 to 160 buck. And when he stepped out, and I was like, oh, yeah, shit, this is him. This is that one buck. And I hooked up my phone scope. I got it all set up, jumped behind the gun, and you know, just put the crosshairs on him and shot. And then when I got over there, I mean, he was like a baby in comparison. He was probably like a 115-inch buck. Like, I don't know where the hell my brain was. But that was, yeah, that was, those were my three memorable mistakes that I made that on, like, judging. But like I said, those first two that I told the story about was more so because I, I was after something bigger and, you know, I just go in this, like, tunnel vision. And it's been really effective for me for not getting – buck fever or anything like that but uh, obviously the uh, mistakes can be made when it comes to size anyway well really even with the mistakes being made i think that it's a smart way to do things because then you don't end up with the missed shots or the bad shots or mm-hmm. you know you hear stories about people looking at the horns and shooting a horn off oh yeah things like that I've seen it and happen. you don't <laughs> if you can focus in more on the deer and less on the antlers then really i would say it's more of an accomplishment than a mistake even though you ended up taking a smaller animal because of it at least you know you're not taking that chance of mm-hmm. wounding an animal yeah yeah for sure agreed definitely better than wounding so yeah but it was funny that it's funny that we're having these conversations because like two days ago I had posted two or three days ago I posted something on Instagram it was a picture of me and my buddy measuring one of my bucks and I, I never break out the tape almost never and he was like oh we need to measure this thing because he was arguing with me I was like I don't know he's probably one sixty whatever he's like no this buck is over one hundred eighty inches so he was arguing with me about it I'm like all right whatever let's tape it but I posted that picture that I took of him measuring it. And, um, and I asked the question, I said, you know, do you tape and why, you know, something along those lines and you, you get every like answer in the world, like, and I have nothing against people taping at all where the argument for me was, and my personal feeling is tape it because you're curious to see how big it is. Tape it because you want to measure your own successes and try to do better next time. Measure it because you want to get better at field judging measure it for those reasons don't measure it and then be upset that he didn't mat didn't go what you thought he was going to go you know like don't and don't and don't do it to fuel your ego like if you could do it for the right reasons then do it that that was that's what i was kind of getting at with with it and, you know it's kind of hard to to put into words especially when you're doing it via instagram but yeah for me yeah it's, i that's i tape my animals out but really the reason i tape them is you know when you're talking to friends or something you don't you can't always show them a picture of it right right and people seem to understand you know if you say it's 180 inch deer that it's the caliber of deer it is better than saying well he's 26 inches wide right for sure 100 percent Exactly. To me, that's the reason behind taping them. I don't put any of my animals. And and that's a good. And that's a good reason. That's just like naming them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know the the one, the one sixty that I got last year, or the you know whatever. You know, it's not like I I try to give 
like the bigger animals that I've been watching and I got to like, you know, I try to give them names too, you know, it's like the same thing. You're just assigning a value to them so that there's an understanding, you know, of where they are versus other things that you've gotten. And yeah, that's, that for me is fine. Like that's, that's what that's there for. That's what the book's there for, you know? Yeah. And I've got, I've actually got a really good friend here that lives in town that he's the perfect example of the, of exactly what we're talking about of it's a big buck. It doesn't matter what they score. The score doesn't do it justice. He has one buck that he had put in the books and it ended up, I don't remember exactly. It netted somewhere around 245. It's an absolute giant. (laughs) Oh, then yeah. Then just like 10, yeah, it was 10 years ago. He shot a buck and he won't let anybody anywhere near it with the tape. Mm. The buck is 46 inches wide. It's a nine by 11. If I had to guess, it's probably right there around the 250s to 260 mark, but it's one of those things. It's a giant buck. It doesn't matter what he scores. Right. And you know what? So that, that's the whole thing is cause like I have some animals that are impressive looking and I haven't put a tape to them because I don't want the chance of me being disappointed. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? And that's probably goes the same for him too. He's like, I know he's a big buck and I know he scores at least this. I don't want it to come back and be like, just under that or whatever the case may be. And I feel like that that's a, that's a thing that happens a lot. Like you get disappointed when you tape things sometimes, you know? And yeah, if you, especially if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, like, cause you just, you want to be at this next level or you want whatever you want to beat the last buck that you got, <sighs> you know, I, it's good to set goals, but if they're going to tear you down when you don't make them, you know, then that's the, like, I don't know. To me, I think that's like the worst feeling. Yeah. And it's all about the look. Right. Yeah. It's all about the look and the look that you like. And, and that's all that really matters. Yeah. I go to some of the shows and stuff around and I see bucks that are 180 inch deer that, mm-hmm. You know, there's 180 inch deer out there that I would shoot, but I look at them and go, I wonder how many of these I pass up every year because right. that one I wouldn't take. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's not the look that I like. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I tell people, you are happy to pull the trigger when you did it. You know, if it's going to make you unhappy now because you, you know, because you put a score to it, then that's where the issue is so yeah i agree a hundred percent yeah so anyway we kind of went down a road there which is good it's a good conversation i wanted to talk to you a little bit about your so i i use the the canity tripod which you you developed right yep yeah that's so that's my tripod company and really the big thing behind it was I always wanted a nice tripod. You know, it seems like that was always my thing before it was. I always wanted a nice tripod because I've always thought it doesn't matter how good your optics are if they're not on a good tripod. Mm -hmm. But it was always so expensive to try and 
buy a nice tripod that we just got talking about it the one day and decided if we can find a tripod that's good quality mm-hmm. and tweak it so that it's exactly how we want and have it manufactured somewhere and sell them at a reasonable price, it would be perfect. Try and make it so that most guys can afford a nice tripod instead of spending a thousand dollars on a tripod setup. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I've owned the thousand dollar. I've had crazy Monfrotos. I've had uh Bogan. I've had you, you name it. I've had it, you know, um, outdoorsman and by far. And I'm not just saying this, I'm not sponsored by, by Stieg. This is my favorite tripod I've ever owned. I mean, if I had one, and I'm going to say this first before I even say that, you always got to give up something to gain something when it comes to engineering. You guys have heard me say that before. So, but in a perfect world, if I can wave my magic wand, of course, you know, everybody would like it a little bit lighter just because we don't like to carry a lot of shit, heavy shit. But if I could make it a little bit lighter, that'd be great. And if I can make it so that it collapsed just a little bit smaller, but still extended to as tall as it does now, that would be great. I don't, I don't see how you physically can make that work. <laughs> so it's not, a, it's not a request. It's just, well, if I, like I said, if I can wave my magic wand, that would be, that would be the only thing because it is well, super I'll steady. I'll tell you what, I don't think that I've, we haven't talked about tripods in a while. Mm-hmm. I actually have one just like that now. Oh, you gotta be kidding me, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to show you. Yeah. Yep. I've got, it's called the pro backpacker is the model for it. Okay. And it is like an inch shorter. Actually, it might be two inches. I'd have to check everything again. It might be two inches shorter than the one that you have. Okay. But it collapses down. The one you have collapses down to 25 inches. This one collapses down to 18. Okay. And that's yours huge. weighs five pounds, and this one weighs three. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. So, you know, I know I'm the only one, and you probably uh, don't want me advertising this, but I don't use your tripod the way it's intended. Meaning, and I love this fact about it, actually, because if it was built in a way that you can use it either way and it works fantastic. So let me let me explain this. The legs, you have the interval clicking legs like every other tripod has. And those always bothered me because it never has the exact angle on the leg. It's never you can never really open it exactly where you want it to. You're you're limited to where the clicks are to where the cams the cams are set inside or the gear or whatever the staging on uh-huh. what I did with yours and I don't know if I told you this or not because when it gets shipped to you it's shipped flipped where the legs are folded all the way up and I think you do that because it's a little bit shorter to go in the box yeah it, that's the tightest packing point for them right exactly so a I liked it because it goes down, it collapses smaller that way. It's about three and a half inches, four inches shorter, I think, when you collapse it that way. And 
when I extend it all the way up, I'm six foot, almost six foot one. Extend it all the way up, it's still tall enough in that section. But the thing that I love about it is I can adjust those legs in any position I want. All I did was tighten your screws up a little bit and it stays. It stays exactly where I leave it. And I have, if I want one leg kicked up on a rock and I got one leg, you know, halfway down the hill and one's like right by my leg, it, I can do that. And, and I have no limitations at all. And it is by far for me, a guy glass a lot. You know, Arizona is probably like Nevada. It's just, that's all you do here is glass. Unless you're hunting yep. elk up in the Ponderosa Pines, that's about the only time I don't bring my 15s. But like everywhere else, we're on tripod with 15s or spotting scope and we're glassing and we're picking apart country, BTX, all that stuff. And your tripod works spectacular. And I never have a place where I feel like I am uncomfortable because I can adjust that tripod exactly the way I want to because of yeah. that. Yeah. See, and that wasn't. I know that wasn't honest, intended. It really wasn't <laughs> intended. But I know it was. It actually worked out really good to our advantage because I wanted the most versatile tripod that you could have because if you're not comfortable when you're glassing, you're not going to spot anything. You're not going to want to spend the time that it takes to mm -hmm. be there looking. And so it actually worked out perfect like that so that guys actually can run them that way. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, we've got those screws on the legs there set so that you can torque them so that you can tighten them however you want. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just one of those things that really helps out that people don't really notice when it comes to glassing is the different things you can do to try and make yourself more comfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's perfection for that. And so much that so that I've, I convinced my cousin Anthony to get them. I had, I don't know how many clients rolled through that were like, Oh yeah, I need to get this. And they, cause they came in with this, like, you know, super light, slick or something like that, which is, you know, they got their place when you're doing some crazy, you know, elevation changing and whatever, and you just need a tripod and that you want super light. Okay. That, that works. And, and mine is not, it's not heavy, not heavy at all. I don't think it's heavy at all. I've had heavier for sure. Definitely my, some of my aluminum ones. Um, and I have had lighter, I've had lighter and I've had way more expensive ones. And I just, like I said, for the money, like I haven't been able to find one that, that performs like this and has the features that yours has. Like, it's just, for me, it's good, you know, really good. Yeah. I tell everybody out there, there's not really a bad tripod company out there when it comes to, it just comes down to what you like hmm. and well, I could tell you some what works for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure you could. You've probably ran a lot more tripods. Oh me. man. I've, I've had probably, I mean, conservatively, I probably owned close to 30, if not more. Yeah. And I've, like I said, all ends of the spectrum. I had one that was, and I use this more for camera work, but I had one that was, you know, $2,000 and just, you know, it could get as tall as I was without even the center pole. I don't know. Great tripods, but for what we do with it, 
you just need to have a happy medium. I, I think I live my life in the gear side of things. I, I look for that happy medium with everything. Like, yeah. There's no such thing as the, the perfect product in yeah. any type of hunting gear. Right. It's like I said earlier, you always got to give up something to gain something. You want ultralight, you're going to give up on warmth. You want, you know, or steadiness or, you know, it's, there's, there's always something, you know, you want a super fast bow, you're going to give up on shootability. You're, you know, you want a super heavy arrow, you're going to have a slow arrow, but you're going to have a quiet arrow. You know, like there's, there's all these things. So for me, I've always been a middle of the road, try to go middle of the road with everything. That way I'm kind of best prepared for whatever, you know, and that's the way I look at it. And this kind of always fit the bill for me, but, and I was, yeah. I, I think you, I got mine from you before you even went to market with it. Right. I think it, it was, was, it was a long, long time ago. At least it three. would have been right, right after. I want to say like, it was like two months after we released them. Which was like, was, what, three or four years ago? Three years ago? It would ago? have been three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Around and I don't know if you saw, but we just announced a lifetime warranty on all of our products. Nice. Well, so what other products you got in the mix? Because I, honestly, I've been living under a rock. I haven't... When it comes to new stuff, I haven't been looking at anything. Like, I just got set in my ways with what I got and haven't... I used to be a kind of like a gear junkie, but unless somebody brings something uh -huh. to my attention i haven't been looking but so we've got three tripod models now we've got that pro backpack right talked about mm -hmm. the pro carbon that you have and then we have the pro carbon xl mm -hmm. which is just bigger bulkier one of those that if you're cruising around in the truck most of the time it's nice to have you get into really windy situations type deal yeah. And then we've got a binocular adapter we just came out. We came out with about a year ago actually that's it's a lot like the outdoorsman style. We the only thing we've done is we've changed that stud that screws into your binoculars from an Allen key to a flat head so that if it ever does come loose you have the option of tightening it down with just about anything. Oh nice. And then we came out with a window mount. And our window mounts are kind of neat. They're really little. I think they're about an inch and a half wide is all they are. They're not real big window mounts. Mm -hmm. And then they're just a standard 3-8 thread on the top of it. So you can actually pull the tripod head that you run all of your glass off oh okay that's off cool. your tripod and thread onto it so that you're not switching out plates and having to change a whole bunch of different things every time you go to a window mount mm -hmm. and then our latest one we came out with is we just came out with a phone adapter that's 100 percent universal it'll fit any phone any scope you can run almost any case you want to on it Mm -hmm. I have had guys that have really, really thick wallet cases that won't work on it as well. You can still get it to work, but it just doesn't work as well. Mm. But yeah, just a hundred percent universal. So nice. They I'm actually looking at that right now. Nice. And you're yeah. selling all this on Muley Maniacs, or just you got another site too? I know they carry all the 
they're just on Muley Maniacs. There's okay. a few places that carry tripod the tripods, like mm-hmm. Epic Outdoors carries the tripods, and then we've got a storefront in St. George that's carrying them. It's Dixie Gun and Fish. Okay. And then one up in Ely that's uh, Sports World. Nice. But that's about all we've got right now. Sweet. So, um, by the way, that's MuleyManiacs.com. Guys, if you want to go check that out. Yeah, I'm looking at that tripod, man. I'm going to have to scoop one of those up. I like that Backpacker Pro. And I like the fact that you started selling the tripod without the head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we had enough people asking about it that I finally just took the time and got it all separated out, too. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. That's one thing guys are like me. I'm just, I'm anal. I like what I like and that's it. Not that I didn't, I didn't dislike your head. I just like what I used better. They're super smooth and good heads, but it's one of those things. Guys like what they like. I'm not saying that we're the best product out there, but we try and give a pretty good product at a reasonable price and I know a lot of guys that love the heads. I know a lot of guys like you that like their old heads, and that's what they run on them. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to have to pick up the Pro Backpacker. I like it. So you're coming to Arizona, aren't you? Pretty soon here. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be down to Phoenix on the 25th and 26th for the uh, Arizona Fishing Game Expo. That, yeah, March. That's March, guys, just in case. You don't know that uh, there's the expo for sure. We'll, we'll be there and we'll do, we'll do a couple podcasts and shake some babies and kiss some hands. Yeah. Have you, have you ever been to that show? I have. Yeah. It's been a bit though. It was quite a bit small. The last time I went, it has been about three years now. I'm so caught up with so much stuff that I got going on that I really, other than Hunt Expo in Utah, and yeah, that's pretty much it, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I, I get, in, I used to go to shot, shot Show, and I used to go to ATA, and you know, I'd go pretty much anywhere. There used to be another, um, I think they called it Hunt Expo as well here, and I would do that one mainly because they they used to have this pop up 3D shoot that used to come there, and it, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so, and it, just a lot of the guys that I know in the archery world here in Arizona would go and, you know, it was just a good time to go hang out with everybody, but I haven't done that. And I don't even know if they're still doing it, but I haven't done that in quite some time. Actually, last time I did it, I was actually in a wheelchair cause I just had surgery, <laughs> but I did pop up, pop up 3d in a wheelchair ended up doing pretty good. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And yeah. I've never been to that show this is really the first year of us doing very many shows so i've never been so i have no idea what to expect yeah but everything i've looked at it looks like it's a pretty awesome show well i mean it's definitely your target market i mean everybody in arizona uses a freaking tripod and if they're not they don't know about it yet but yeah i think you should do well at it we'll see so time will tell i guess you never know what yeah. shows. You never know what shows. It could be just a lot of tire kickers, but a lot of times people are actually coming there because they want to put their hands on stuff before they buy it. And so it's pretty cool. Well, that's kind of where we've got to with stuff is 
selling tripods online is really hard because it's hard to justify spending the money on it, not yep. really seeing it and putting your hands on it and feeling how it works and everything. So yeah, I think yeah. the shows are kind of where we've got to go so that guys can actually get hands on and actually look at them. For sure. Yeah. You know, direct to consumer is always a, it's a tough thing because, because of that, like if you're completely just e-commerce site, people want to touch and feel things, even though we've all kind of gotten used to buying things online and Amazons and all this other stuff for that, the, that equipment that really matters, you know, people want to touch it and feel it, play with it a little bit. So yeah, before I let you go, we, uh, you got a sh- another cool story you want to share with us and, uh, and I'll cut you loose. Yeah. I could tell you about my big four point that I killed. Uh, it was actually my senior year and no, it was the year after I graduated high school. Oh, cool. I'd drawn a tag and I'm a big guy on you. You make your own luck. You know, the amount of time that you put in, Mm-hmm. is what you get out of it. And so on this particular hunt, I had taken three weeks off of work. The hunt was two weeks long. I took the week off before to kind of scout. It was a rifle tag. So scouting before a week or two before really wasn't that good of an idea because the deer are all moving. Mm-hmm. And so the first two weeks of the hunt or the first two weeks I was up there the week before on the first week of the hunt, I didn't see anything. The biggest deer I saw was a little 15 inch wide, three point, nothing real good. And kind of was getting discouraged, thought about going home and going back to work type deal, but ended up sticking it out. And that second week, my dad and my grandpa actually came up to hunt with me and we just kind of picked a spot on the map and said, let's go back in there and see what we can find. And so we get clear back up in the mountains up there and actually end up spotting this really nice buck mm-hmm. and take off after him. Had no idea really what he was. He was just the biggest thing that I had seen the whole time I'd been out there. Mm-hmm. And I ended up setting up 400 yards and, uh, squoze off the shot and hit him right through the neck, but he didn't go to the ground. He jumped and whirled around and was just standing there. So I went to eject the bullet and put another one in and the casing had jammed in the gun. I couldn't get it out. We're fiddling around with our knives, trying to get the case out trying to find sticks that we can push it out with. Ended up not being able to, get the case out had to go back into town to try and get the case out we tracked the deer and he went about 100 yards into the trees and the blood stopped and we had no idea so we went back the next day looking for crows never didn't find any crows couldn't find the deer didn't see him finally the last night of the hunt we were set up in the same area looking for the buck you know with me i look at it as i I looked at it as I'd already killed my animal. He was either dead out there and that meant I had tagged out or he 
wandered off and survived, but either way I'd already shot something Mm -hmm. and just pure luck an hour before dark, we spot the buck about a mile and a half away from where I'd hit him two days earlier. And he was chasing some does and we took off down the hill to him and set up about 800 yards and, we had a slight breeze between us and the deer that we couldn't see that it was calm at the deer and calm at us. And I missed him from that range. And then he dropped down into the draw. And by this time it was starting to get really close to shooting light. So I just took off running across the draw and came up on top and had the shot about a hundred yards and shot and dropped him right there. (laughs) And he was one of those bucks that, just like I was saying with my archery buck, one of those that I just, as soon as he was on, as he was on the ground, I completely underjudged him. We're looking at him going, man, he's just a beautiful boxy four point, 25 inches wide, nice 175, 180 buck, just beautiful deer. And we actually got him back to camp and pulled the tape measure out and he was 30 inches wide and ended up going 203 gross. Wow. If I would have put him in the books, I would have actually won a belt buckle for the largest typical killed in Nevada that year. But I'm not big on putting things in the books. Right. That's awesome. That's cool. Where'd you hit him the first time? The first shot was right. So I had just grazed just under his neck. Mm. So when we hit it when i hit him we were able to watch him for a little bit while we were trying to get the casing out of the gun and he was bleeding out of his mouth so uh, i thought i'd hit him fairly decent and then when we skinned him out he was all bloodshot right there and i just barely gone underneath him just grazed him gotcha yeah crazy crazy how tough they are and he was back out chasing those after yeah, getting shot. Like, <laughs> like it didn't even phase him. I shot a bull. So this was uh, 2014. This bull's coming in, and I was using one of those Montana decoys. And it was hanging in a tree. It was that like Fred Eichler one when it first came out. Wait, that uh-huh. you specifically hang in a tree and a gust of wind came right as he crested over this thing. And he was at like 25 yards. And I was at full draw. He's quartering to me and wooden gust blows this decoy and it spooked him. Like I was just squeezing off the shot. And as I squeezed off the shot, he like saw this jump and spun around and I hit him right in the hip because he did like a 180 to run away from whatever he was afraid of. And, uh, man, he was out there the next day, just chasing, chasing, uh, cows around and it was just like like nothing ever happened I oh yeah it was it's it's nutty well elk are a whole nother animal well that's true yeah i mean different but yeah still (laughs) just for toughness we my uncle had a tag a few years ago Mm -hmm. and we were shooting a 270 short mag at the time which a lot of guys will say isn't big enough but i mean we were putting holes in this bowl that the exits were 
about six inches around. So hmm. it was doing some damage, but he ended up, we had to shoot the bull six times to get him down hmm. and right in his vitals, perfect shots. Yeah. Just unbelievably tough animals, which yeah. now we shoot a 338 Lapua because we didn't like that too much. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, I hunt with, if I, I've only had a couple of rifle hunts for elk, but, um, I have a 300 ultra mag 210 green bullet. That's, uh-huh. that's my, that's my everything guns really, honestly. But I do, I do use, I have a six, five, two that I use quite a bit, but for deer and whatnot, but, uh, definitely elk, elk size animals. The 300 is, uh, is my go-to for sure. You got to have that big, at least 30 caliber bullet is what I'm convinced. Yeah. I don't believe in overkill. <laughs> you know, if I shoot something, <laughs> I want it to be there when I get there. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. That's, that's <laughs> what I always say. We shoot our 338 Lapua even when we're hunting deer. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, we don't have to worry about it being about the deer running off and wounded and can't find it. Right. Exactly. We know that he's right there. Exactly. Well, awesome, man. Thanks for coming on and uh, thanks for sharing the story with us and, you know, discussing trophy measuring and all that stuff. That's, uh, I think that's a conversation that people need to have with themselves for sure. And uh, we'll see you in about a month. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, bud. Okay. Yeah. We'll see you. Bye. Hey guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next show.